0: From member supported CPR News, this is Purplish, a show about Colorado politics and democracy. I'm Andrew Kenny,
1: And I'm Benta Brookland, and we're joined by a special guest, also known as our boss. I'm Megan Verlee, the politics editor,
2: and uh, I think if I keep showing up, I'm not going to be special much longer.
0: That will never happen. Aww. We're into the third week of the legislative session. And so there's a lot of really big ideas in the air, like we discussed last week. But I got to be honest, it's not as crazy as y'all told me it would be. There's no late nights. There's no cursing lawmakers. I don't feel like I'm at the end of my rope. And that kind of worries me. Uh, So, Benta, like...
2: Don't don't worry. It'll it'll be here before you even know it. Yeah, I feel like you're just jinxing yourself by saying this. There is like a shoe hanging right over your head. It's going to drop on you at any the moment. The shoe
0: is in orbit. Yes. The shoe will drop. But well, we
2: we do have at the start of the
1: session a lot of briefings and hearings. And so things haven't fully kicked into the to the highest gear. But on Monday, the bill to repeal the death penalty gets its first hearing. And that, that's going to be weighty, somber, lengthy. And it's only going to keep continuing.
0: So I thought we'd take some time today before it gets really intense to talk about why it gets so intense and how it gets so intense what it's like to be a public official in the internet age. And in fact, I talked to one high-ranking legislator who has been in it for 10 years and after this next re-election season is just going to maybe give up, just stop in politics, which is interesting because that's all he's pretty much done. But first, I want to get into a new segment that we're introducing in this episode. It's called Hot Bills. So the thing about Hot Bills is that It's about bills that are hot.
2: And how do we know that?
0: Well, there's a couple different ways. There's talk in the Capitol, hallway whispers, social media. But what we're going to use this week is the handy fact that on the state legislature's website, there is a section that that tells you the bills that are getting the most hits, which I'm not sure how many hits that is. Is it dozens? Is it hundreds? Hundreds?
2: Probably not Grammy level.
0: It's enough to tell us what's really popular. And it's usually got pretty interesting results. So I want to step through those really quick and explain what are the most popular or controversial bills right now? And uh, Megan, can you start us off by telling us a little bit about what I'm calling the puppy dog in the window bill?
2: Yes, this is a measure that was introduced to uh, crack down on dog and cat breeding, uh, put some new regulations around the conditions those animals have to be in, and then, and I think that this is the one that's really catching people's attention, it would limit where you could get a dog or a cat. You, uh, It would ban pet stores from selling them. It would also ban outdoor sales, so flea Market or meeting somebody in a parking Pet lot. Pet stores? Pet stores. which is all American. Well, actually, it turns out, at least according to the American Kennel Club, they're a very small percentage of where people are getting their their pets these days. But it would really push people to get their animals either from a licensed breeder or from a shelter or rescue. Uh, American Kennel Club is not behind this. They feel that this is very unnecessary. It igno- They say it ignores uh, good regulations already in place in Colorado and might actually create kind of a black market for animals.
0: Huh. So they're worried about government interference in the puppy dog market.
2: Exactly. So uh, obviously, because that has been on the most accessed bills list for quite a while, uh, that seems to be something that people are very interested in.
0: Oh, huh. very interesting. All right, Benta, what have you got?
2: Well, we have a very fun title here
1: Management of Single Use Products. This is referring to plastic bags and straws, styrofoam, and it would ban stores and restaurants from providing these to customers, they could provide paper bags for a fee. So going
2: to be controversial for sure. I I think I remember a bill like this last year. Is this a a new idea? No.
1: There has been something similar that was proposed that didn't get through. So I think we'll have to see what's changed this year. We do have some of these bans already in local communities in Colorado and are seeing this movement across the country and Other countries across the
0: world, too. Yeah. United Kingdom is getting ready for a total ban on plastic straws and other similar stuff. And I think that starts in in April.
2: Oh, did your homework. So what's your hot bill, Andy?
0: Well, this is one that's proved pretty alarming for a lot of people in the LGBT community and beyond. It is a bill that would make it illegal for a doctor to prescribe hormones or perform operations that are meant to help a minor transition their gender. So it's essentially aimed at stopping transition for transgender kids. For conservatives, this is part of a bigger national push. It goes straight to cultural conservative concerns about uh, the role of gender and sex and about whether or not, as a society, we should accommodate transgender people. And moreover, uh, you know, on this bill in particular, it, it goes into concerns about whether or not minors are in a position to make a decision or should be put in a position to make a decision about their own gender identity. I don't know. What do you all think will happen to that one?
2: Uh, Fail in its first committee. That said, there is a lot of attention on it. I've been seeing press releases from LGBTQ groups who really see this as one of a slate of bills uh, designed to try and make the state less friendly uh, to to queer people. You know, I think it it won't it will fail, but it's going to cause a lot of debate.
0: Okay, so I want to get back now to what we were discussing at the top of the show, which was somewhat the uh, the human side of life in the Capitol. And, you know, this week we had some big news on on the happier side of this, a birth for a state senator.
2: Yeah, Brittany Peterson of Lakewood. Um, we'll be talking about that, I think.
0: That's right. And and as well, you know, we're we're going to dive a little bit into some of the threats, the vitriol, the pressure that politicians face at the state level and what that kind of says about the business of politics, and and a little bit about modern society. Anyway, there's a little bit of news on that front this week. Benton, you want to tell us a little bit about it?
1: Yep. So it would be a class four felony to threaten a lawmaker or harass a lawmaker under this legislation. So lawmakers would be in the same category as judges.
2: What drove this bill? Because I feel like lawmakers and threats is kind of a like a never-ending theme at the Capitol. We've got
1: two bipartisan sponsors, and one of them, Democratic Representative Kyle Mollica, was the main sponsor of a bill last session to increase Colorado's vaccination rate. That ended up being one of the most contested bills of the session. He said his family's life was threatened. He has three young children. They had to get extra security, and he just, he said, that's not right.
0: Really where we need to be draw the line, though, is is the threatening behavior that we saw last year and the threats towards elected officials. That's something that's concerning to me. It's not how our democracy is set up to work.
1: And then we have a Republican lawmaker who said he hasn't had specific threats like that based on legislation, but he wants to improve the discourse and he wants to try to deter people from taking these type of actions.
2: Andy, I know you haven't been at the Capitol very long, but... Even you're starting to hear this from lawmakers, right, about the the ugliness they face.
0: You know, I I was talking to a senator who's been here in the the building for 10 years now, and he said that it's just gotten worse and worse, especially with the advent of social media, as people have been more emboldened to just say terrible things on the Internet, which is kind of a universal phenomenon, isn't it?
2: Uh, And you told me something about how he deals with it, which I thought was interesting.
0: So this senator will take some of the nastiest comments, and we're not obviously dealing with with the threats here, but more just the vitriol, and look the person up, sometimes in the voter registry, uh, which is a public file that has people's phone numbers in it, call him up and say, hey, it's me, your senator. You want to say that again? Maybe not so aggressively, but the point being, he gets on the phone with these, uh, people are just being nasty on the internet and tries to present a human face and from everything he says, it kind of works. And, and, you know, we've experienced that as reporters as well, as people usually don't have the bluster when When they're they're talking to you. I'd love to hear that conversation. (laughs) I would love to hear that.
2: So that's one way to deal with threats. Benta, what do lawmakers think about this way of just turning it into a felony? I think it's, even though it's bipartisan,
1: the bill, there's going to be bipartisan opposition. It's not going to fall along party lines. I've talked to lawmakers who've received threats or not, and they're not sure if this is the right way to go, if we need a new law, if lawmakers should be in this protected class or if it's just kind of part and parcel of the job, even though it's not pleasant. Democratic Senator Rhonda Fields back in 2013 sponsored a high capacity magazine ban and universal background checks. You know that After that session, two Democratic senators were recalled. Fields didn't face anything like that, but her life was threatened, and she said her daughter's was as well. The man was traced via emails. He was arrested. Despite all that happening, she said she's not sure whether she's going to support this bill because you're dealing with the First Amendment, and there's a lot of nuance there on if this could actually thwart dialogue and debate, and do lawmakers need to be in this special category?
0: Okay. So continuing on from there, let's talk a little bit more about that work-life balance Benta, why don't you tell us about the big news for Senator Brittany Pedersen? Yes,
1: she had a son, and that was pretty exciting for the legislature. She'll be gone for about a month. Um, She gets lawmakers can take up to six weeks fully paid. So she's not going to take the full six weeks, but she'll be out of pocket. And a lot of us thought she was the first lawmaker in state history to give birth during the session. Not true. She was the oh. second. A woman in 1981 gave birth. So, But it's incredibly uncommon. A lot of lawmakers have very young children and babies. And the, the Senate Majority Leader, his daughter, was born two days before session started. So we're seeing the Capitol, uh, over time, create more kind of a family-friendly environment. And well, 38 feminine.
0: years between giving birth during session, that must say something as well about the makeup of the Capitol.
1: Uh, yeah, I think the, uh, over time, the makeup of the Capitol is changing. We have a lot of lawmakers that are younger and almost half of the legislature is made up of women. And when you look at the governor's senior staff, more than half of them have young children, including our governor.
0: All right, folks, it's time to introduce our other new segment. We love segments on this show now. This one is called Wait What? And we're going to use it to share things that have made us go, you guessed it, wait, what? And, you know, that sometimes that'll that'll be a wait, what? And sometimes it'll be a wait, what? And sometimes, like this week, it'll be a wait,
1: what? Have you ever considered an acting career?
0: Uh, no. <laughs> but wait, what is what I said when I read in uh, that in Washington, D.C., Senators on the U.S. Senate floor are allowed to drink two beverages. Ready for this? You got water, sparkling or still, and you've got, this is according to, you know, widespread news reports this week, you've got milk. Senate rules do not prohibit a senator from sipping milk during his speech.
2: I actually know why this is because I edit our D.C. reporter, (laughs) Caitlin Kim, and she went to find out why this is, and there are actually two reasons. There's the, like, so good it has to be true reason, and there's the so boring it probably is true reason. Let's hear them. So good it has to be true is that back in the 50s, they thought milk was a good uh, treatment for ulcers and politics being stressful work. Many uh, Congress people had ulcers, and so they got to drink milk during these debates. The other explanation, which is so lame that it probably is true, is just simply that in some very long debate, a congressman asked if he could drink milk. And the parliamentarian said, eh, there's no rule against it. And so suddenly they could drink milk. I just feel like this would not
1: fly in the Colorado legislature. Just points to probably how infrequently U.S. senators are in that chamber for a really extended period of time. Are there rules about what
2: people can drink in the legislature on the floor?
0: So I tracked down the Senate parliamentarian, Cindy Markwell.
2: State Senate parliamentarian.
0: That's right. <laughs> Didn't travel to D.C. this week. And I asked her, well, Ms. Markwell, they've got these uh, the milk and water rule over in the U.S. Senate. What are they allowed to drink on the Colorado Senate floor?
1: In the Colorado Senate, we allow our senators to drink whatever they want. And I'm talking milk. Coke, whatever the case may be. And they're also allowed to have any food at their desk too. We don't prevent them by saying they can't.
0: Disappointing answer, but- uh,
1: But better for the lawmakers. I, better for the lawmakers. I think it's pretty safe to say no state lawmaker after a really long day being there at one or two in the morning says, man, I just really need a glass of
0: milk right now. A frosty <laughs> glass of milk, maybe yeah, a one glass of milk. I bet. That's it for this week's episode. Purplish is a production of member-supported Colorado Public Radio. Learn about becoming a member and join today at cpr.org. I'm Andrew Kenny with my colleagues Benta Berkland and Megan Verlee. This episode was produced by Shane Rumsey. CPR's head of audio innovations is Brad Turner, who also composed our theme music. Our executive producer is Rachel Estabrook. We'll be back in your podcast feeds next week. Until then, this is Purplish from CPR News. Well, before we get to that, we do have a new thing that I want to introduce to the show. And it's a segment called Hot Bills.
2: Hot Bills. Sorry, I can't. Every time you say Hot Bills, I'm going to have to (laughs) shout Hot Bills. That's fine, because I don't want to. (laughs) As long as we
0: don't have to say it in unison. (laughs)